Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. going on love tribe hey guys thank you for joining us here at i do podcast if you are new to the show you are in the right place if you want to improve your relationship whether you're single dating or married and if this is like your hundredth episode or maybe what are we on like 140 140 something yeah 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 well then thank you for joining us welcome back (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if there's anyone out there that's listened to every single one let Me? us know. Send us an email I and have. we're going to like kidding. send you, you have, yes. uh, hopefully <laughs> I have too. So there's two people in the <laughs> two world. Two people. Anyone else? That'd be kind of neat to know. Um, yeah. We'll give you a, a big virtual hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, 
Thank you for joining us, guys. And today we have Dr. Denise Fournier on the show. And Dr. Denise is a mindfulness-based psychotherapist and coach in Miami, Florida. And through her practice, Evergreen Therapy, she works with individuals and couples using an approach that blends modern research and Eastern philosophy. And today we talk about managing anxiety and how that can improve our relationship in this is an area that probably all of you guys listening at one time or another feel anxiety in your life. And that can certainly, I know from personal experience, have a negative effect on on myself and on uh, my relationship with Sarah. And in particular, we've talked about this before, but in the beginning of this year, super stressed with work and, and anxious. And it turns out that stress and anxiety are a little bit different. And, and Denise talks about the distinction and gives us some really great tools for dealing with our anxiety. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to the show and you maybe you're not relating to being an anxious or an uptight person, you should still definitely listen because I relate as being a pretty calm and mellow person. But when Denise is going over some of the things that your body experiences when you're feeling anxious, I like so many things like went off like, oh, I do that or I do that or, you know, I'm I'm clenching my jaw or I, my shoulders are uptight or my eyebrows are, you know, not relaxed. So like definitely, you know, it may not be in a super high level of anxiety, but there are many times where you can probably catch yourself on a daily basis experience anxiety. And there's so many little easy remedies that you can do that Denise talks about that will really be a game changer and be so helpful for you and for your relationship. Yeah, Sarah is definitely a very calm and level person, especially compared to me. But but yeah, like she said, we can all, no one is, I don't even say perfect, but no one is immune to feeling anxious at one time or another, like unless you've been meditating on the top of a mountain for 10 years, <laughs> good for you. And you're probably not listening to this show, but you are probably uh, experiencing some form of anxiety and, and it can, it can just be a better way to go through on an individual level with less anxiety, but certainly bringing that into your relationship is going to only benefit the relationship. So check it out. Lots of great tools in today's episode from Dr. Fournier. And as always, we appreciate you guys subscribing to the show, sharing it with your friends and family, writing us, leaving us those five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, we really Enjoy the work that we're doing because we're just learning right alongside of you and and learning a lot of great stuff, and hopefully you guys are too. We hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi, Denise. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Denise, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your private practice, the work that you do. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. So I have, as you said, been in private practice for the last couple of years and have been in the field of therapy for about 10 years. And in the field of psychology as as a student and as a research assistant um, for about 15 years. And my decision to become part of the mental health field was really born out of, as you said, a desire to support people in their relationships and even at a deeper level in their understanding of what the human experience is and how to navigate it with some clarity and some grace and some integrity. This is something that I became interested in at a really early age. And I found that this was a calling for me and a way for me to walk alongside people in that journey and all the ways that that can manifest, including supporting people's relationships with themselves and with each other and with the life experience in general. So this has been my path and I can't imagine doing anything else. Oh, that is a beautiful thing. And it is certainly a journey and, and figuring out how to navigate, uh, through life and, and, and its complications. And then you have 
doing that with yourself, like you mentioned, in the relationship with ourselves, but then we bring in a partner or significant other, and then things can, can get a little bit more complicated. And, and, uh, but it's all work that is worth doing. And today's topic, we're going to talk about uh, anxiety and how we can deal with anxiety and how that's going to help ourselves and it's going to help our relationships. So why don't we start with defining what anxiety is and uh, then we could talk about how we can cope with it. Sure. Well, I guess it helps to start with a distinction. Um, There is, of course, a clinical form of anxiety, which perhaps is the way that many of us tend to think about anxiety or tend to talk about anxiety. There are a number of anxiety uh, disorders, if you will, or diagnoses that people might that people might be ascribed um, for particular manifestations of anxiety that become barriers to their functioning. So that's one way we talk about anxiety is in terms of anxiety disorders or panic disorders and things of that nature where the anxiety becomes so overwhelming that a person might need to uh, take some medication for it or uh, implement certain kinds of things in order to be able to, to function. And that form of anxiety is not the only form of anxiety. In fact, most of us um, might not even recognize that we experience anxiety because we tend to think of it only in those sort of terms. Anxiety is really sort of a global experience at any point in our lives. uh, Each and every one of us is likely to experience some form of anxiety, which is really a sense of uneasiness. Um, perhaps preoccupation with the future, sort of thinking about things that are on the horizon, anticipating uh, some negative event in the future, whether it actually pans out or not, this sort of hyper-focus on the future or on things that need to be taken care of, on demands that we anticipate needing to meet and everything that comes along with that, which is usually, like I said, a sense of uneasiness can even be sort of a sense of dread. Um, It can be associated with excessive thinking. It can also manifest as a physical experience. So feeling sort of agitated, feeling irritable, feeling tightness in the muscles, uh, changes in the breath, uh, all of these things that we might experience and we might call stress for example, can be forms of anxiety. And so it's really an experience that is familiar to most of us, whether or not we would classify it or have it classified as um, a clinical form of anxiety, if you will. After you mention all those different types of ways that are categorized as anxiety, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I do this or do I do that? And I feel like so many of those things are are probably a, a that a lot of people do on a regular basis and mm-hmm. they don't even realize it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it makes sense. You know, we, we come about this very honestly. We live in times that are extremely demanding and we have a lot of pressure to perform in so many different domains of our lives, so many deadlines and so many roles that we need to play and it's ongoing. And when we have so much uh, to to be aware of and to be on top of and to be responsible for, then it requires us to sort of be in our heads about it and making sure that we are meeting all of these demands. And naturally, if that's the way our attention is shaped because of the demands that are placed on us, we're bound to feel some of that and we're bound to exhibit some of those uh, signs of anxiety. So we want to talk about how to deal with it, but then, but before we get into that, why it's probably, it's pretty clear that, when anxiety is is present, when we're thinking about the future, all of these things, it's going to negatively impact ourselves as individuals, but certainly our relationship. Is there anything that we should point out uh, in that regard as far as it affecting the relationship before we talk about how to treat our anxiety? Well, sure. I mean, I'm sure that we will we'll touch on that as we go in talking about how to manage it. Because as you said, you know, it's a personal experience that inevitably impacts our relationships. So we, if we're experiencing anxiety, are not the only ones who are, um, who are taking the hit, so to speak, of that the negative impact of it. I would say that one of the most important things to point out in terms of how anxiety manifests 
in relationships is that it tends to look like reactivity. So we may not think about it in terms of anxiety when we're looking at how it plays out in a relationship, but certainly we can pinpoint where the reactivity is happening. And when I say reactivity, I'm talking about having sort of a short fuse, um, having really low tolerance uh, for things in the relationship, being uh, short with answers or being overly critical, overly demanding, not very receptive. Um, more defensive than usual. All of those things that play out in a relationship are manifestations of anxiety from one or both people. And what tends to happen, and this is why it's so useful to talk about what can we do about it and to even have this conversation about anxiety in general, is that anxiety becomes like this hot potato that, you know, we, it's so uncomfortable to feel anxiety that we tend to want to discharge that energy. And so we kind of displace it onto the people immediately available to us, usually our intimate partners or our family members. And our family members tend to absorb that um, anxiety and then it becomes their own. And so then they develop their own sort of reactivity or pick up uh, this sort of stress. And then they sort of want to discharge that energy and it goes somewhere else and they bring someone else in. Like maybe, you know, if there's a disagreement in the relationship, one of the partners might you know, call his or her mother or call a friend and vent. And that's a form of discharging anxious energy that then the other person on the other side of the phone has suddenly absorbed and taken on as their own. So there's this real kind of contagion effect of anxiety. It becomes um, very, very contagious and becomes really widespread really quickly if we're not aware of it and aren't taking on the responsibility of managing it. When you were talking about some of the um, the ways that people will really, I guess, have anxiety in their relationship, to me, some of it kind of sounded like stress. And just because, mm-hmm. you know, Chase and I kind of have dealt, we've talked about this before, we've dealt with some stress in our relationship and then how it manifests in our relationship in a negative way. But maybe I just don't really know what the difference between stress and anxiety is. Do you mind? Can you, can you give a brief, uh, maybe just tell the difference between the two for our listeners and for myself? Sure. And you're, you're wise to see that there is a lot of similarity between the two because they are very similar experiences. Like I said before, at the sort of clinical level, when we think about anxious people or people with anxiety, a lot of us are really thinking about people who have such chronic or crippling anxiety um, that they, you know, might need assistance for medication or something like that in order to even function. But that's not, as I said before, the only form of anxiety. A lot of us have this sort of low-lying anxiety and and that's part of our, our common experience. And that form of anxiety is very similar to stress. And one of the reasons why it's so similar to stress is because the same parts of the brain and nervous system are implicated in both. So the same parts of our brain are active when we're experiencing stress and when we're experiencing anxiety. The the difference between the two is, is really negligible. The primary difference, if there is one, between what it's like to be stressed and what it's like to be anxious is that when we're anxious, our minds, our conscious minds are usually more involved in the activity. So stress is something that's going to happen naturally if we are, as we are in our modern day sort of circumstances, facing demands on our time or having to function at a really high level of activity for really extended periods of time and expending a lot of activity, expending, excuse me, a lot of energy in our day-to-day activities, um, the pressures of daily life in our professional lives, in our family lives, all of that is going to bring about stress. Um, And we're going to feel that at a physiological level. Sometimes we're not that aware of how stressed we are, but our bodies are taking the score for how, uh, how much stress we have in our lives. But we can operate at a really high stress level without being totally conscious of it. Where anxiety, the difference when anxiety is happening is that our conscious minds tend to get hooked in and we tend to start to hyper-focus on what the things are that we need to get done. And we might tend to go down certain paths of thinking um, about 
what needs to get done and is it going to get done and what if this happens and what if this goes wrong and what if I don't meet that deadline and those sorts of anxious types of thinking that we're more present to that we're more aware of that we're more conscious of tend to be the thing that makes the difference between anxiety and stress otherwise the two tend to be pretty much the same. Well, thank you for that distinction. And that's helpful. And I am particularly curious how to deal with anxiety because all of these things are resonating with me. I can definitely (laughs) be an anxious person. We've talked about it on the show in the past, in particular in January. It was like a hectic month for me with work. and, And I definitely brought that home into the relationship in a bad way. So let's talk about how we can confront this anxiety and learn to manage it. Yeah, great. Um, You know, you said something really important, which is that it started to manifest in a bad way. And I think that's really useful wording because the truth is there is a good side to stress and anxiety. As uncomfortable and unpleasant as it can be when we're not managing it well, it does serve an important function. There is a sweet spot, if you will, where a certain amount of anxiety or a certain amount of stress can actually serve us. Um, the fact that the two of you accomplish as much as you do and get as much done as you do, you can attribute in some part to anxiety because anxiety is what activates us, is what alerts us to the fact that there are things that need to be done. And it gives us that, it sort of propels us into action in this way that allows us to perform certain activities. Now, too little anxiety is going to make it so that we don't really put too much effort forth at all. And that may not necessarily be a good thing. And too much anxiety can be crippling. So it's really a matter of how do you utilize anxiety in such a way so that it can serve you and not be a detriment or a barrier to your life and uh, to your functioning. And so really the first step in managing anxiety is becoming aware of its presence, taking inventory of, you know, how am I functioning? What do I have on my plate right now? How am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And this is sort of an ongoing questioning that we engage in that helps us to develop a sense of awareness of ourselves in relationship to anxiety. So that's really step number one. Um, as as you two know, and as, um, as your listeners might know, I consider myself a mindfulness-based therapist, which means that I utilize as a foundation of the work I do, um, as well as a foundation for my life, the practice of mindfulness, which is really about paying attention on purpose in the moment. This is step one of managing anxiety. If we're going to utilize anxiety for good and we're going to manage it in a way that helps us to function optimally, we have to be present to what our experience is. So this is really the first step in managing it is noticing it and noticing how we're responding to it. So with that awareness, we can then determine, is there a different way for me to respond to this that allows me to get done what I need to get done without all the negative side effects? Is it possible for me to meet this deadline, do what I need to do to take care of my responsibilities here and at home, and also be settled and grounded enough in my experience that I'm not feeling all of this discomfort and I'm not discharging this energy in negative ways onto the people around me. Um, So I don't want to be too long winded with my response. If there's, um, you know, if there's anything that either of you wanted to comment on, I I could talk about this all day. Um, But really as a step one, that's really, that's really the first place where it all begins. And that's a lifelong body of work, that ongoing self-awareness to say, what am I feeling? Where is anxiety in my body right now? How am I relating to the pressures that are being placed on me? How am I relating to life right now? And then with that awareness comes the ability to take the next steps toward managing the anxiety. Those are all really helpful tips. And I like how you mentioned that anxiety can be good. There's a reason we have these emotions. And this is something that I struggle with as someone who's very type A, goal-driven, 
anxious <laughs> that it <laughs> helps me get things done. Like when, you know, it, it, it can really motivate me and, and, but then it can also be a detriment. So it is important to, to realize, like you said, being mindful of those feelings and then not, completely discarding them and you know like like we can't have those feelings but channeling them uh like you said and, and seeing how we can respond differently to them so instead of responding with with short temperedness towards your partner maybe it's like okay you're anxious about this project deadline and, you know being aware of it getting getting your emotions in check and then focusing that energy towards getting the job done or whatever it is that you need to do and easier said than done but uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's a good uh distinction at least for me it can justify like all right I, i'm not broken because i have these feelings there's nothing wrong with me i just need to learn how to manage them and channel that energy better absolutely and i chase i love what you said uh, you know as you were talking about, you know, how can you utilize this and still perform and how does that play out in the relationship? You know, just that awareness could support, you know, just using you as an example, that awareness of what you've got going on, coupled with your desire to really, you know, stay at that high level of, of achievement and accomplishment and getting things done. If you're aware that this is causing you to feel anxious and you're present enough to be able to see that clearly, then the likelihood is that you can communicate that to Sarah or to other people in your life and invite them into supporting you, right? So anxiety gives us this sort of sense of urgency that sometimes may not necessarily be appropriate. We may not necessarily need to like act immediately. Like we can actually slow down and sort through our thoughts and say, okay, what do I want to do next? And when we can slow down then we can see things a little more clearly and see, okay, maybe I don't need to get this all done at once. And maybe I can recruit my partner into supporting me. Maybe I can ask my partner, hey, can you watch the kids tonight so that I can you know, take care of this manuscript or I can meet this deadline or whatever the case may be. That when we are aware, then we can be present. And when we're present, we can slow things down. And when we can slow things down, we can see clearly enough to invite other people into supporting us instead of just kind of getting into that rigid space where we feel this sense of urgency to get it all done at once and ultimately just burn out and, and become overwhelmed. So how do we find that perfect middle ground? Are there any, uh, any things that go on with our body or like with our breathing or anything like that, that we can kind of be a sign to us like, okay, this, this level of anxiety is good, but maybe I need to bring it down a little bit so that I can be more productive uh, in what I'm trying to accomplish. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. So many therapists recommend mindfulness as a way to have a better connection and more passionate and loving relationship with your partner. And one of the ways to achieve this is through yoga and meditation. Yoga Glow is a yoga and meditation website that you can use anywhere. You can practice in your own space on your own time for just $18 a month. That's less than a single class at most yoga studios. They have thousands of classes at all levels taught by some of the best teachers in the world. Yoga is more than just touching your toes and stretching. Yoga brings balance it's empowering, it offers a peaceful state of mind, and it helps eliminate stress you carry with you throughout your day. I need to do it more. I know <laughs> I get caught up and I usually do it every morning, but Yoga Glow, I've done it the last couple mornings and it's really helped me stay on a schedule. Not to mention research shows how mindfulness significantly benefits our relationships. Get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow free when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash I do. That's yoga, G-L-O.com slash I do for two weeks free. Yogaglow.com slash I do. Today's show is also brought to you by the book Lovelands. 
Lovelands, which is written by a past guest on our show and psychologist Dr. Deborah Campbell, is an easy-to-read guide to creating the relationship in life you most deeply desire. If you've ever wondered why you keep struggling with love and want to make lasting change for the better, Lovelands will show you how to make that change, not just in your relationship, but in every area of your life. I'm deep in the middle of the book right now, and it's eye-opening. Deborah's wisdom from her own love mistakes, as well as her client struggles, has helped me examine myself and has allowed me to become even more aware of the reasons I get defensive or have poor communication or continue unhelpful patterns. Deborah really just tackles what's at the core of diverse relationship problems and simply tells us what helps and what doesn't. Lovelands is available in hardcover on Amazon and audible.com. Visit idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands to buy your copy today. That's idopodcast.com forward slash Lovelands. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. Um, Anxiety lives in the body as much as it lives in the mind. So as I said before, there are certain lines of thinking that tend to be associated with anxiety, which, you know, we can talk a little bit about and which are useful to be aware of. But by and large, anxiety is a physical experience. And there are a lot of signs of anxiety that as we become attuned to them can become our signal to, okay, let me tune in and let me take care of myself so that I can get that, get back to that sweet spot and still perform optimally without becoming overwhelmed. So some of those physical signs of anxiety are increased heart rate. That's a big one. Um, Changes in breathing. That's another big one. A lot of us don't realize it, but we're really bad at breathing. We're really, really bad at breathing. We breathe just enough to keep ourselves alive, but not enough to function optimally. And so what tends to happen, particularly it happens normally, but it tends to happen, especially when we're anxious, is we sort of stop breathing. We, we're holding our breath. We're not getting the full fullness of the breath. We're breathing shallowly. We're breathing just sort of only in the chest. And we're not getting that deep, rich, oxygenating breath that helps us to think clearly and to respond rather than react. So some of the entry points for noticing anxiety in the body are the heart rate, the breath, and the muscles. When we're anxious, we tend to create rigidity in our muscles. We tend to tighten our muscles in particular places. So we might clench our jaw. We might put a lot of pressure uh, behind our eyes. We might sort of like scrunch our eyebrows together and have this like, you know, really tight um, muscle tension around that area behind our eyes and around our forehead. Uh, We might clench our shoulders and kind of bring our shoulders up to our ears. We might be clenching our thigh muscles. We might be clenching muscles all throughout the body without even realizing that we're doing it and creating this sort of muscle rigidity um, that later translates into fatigue. Later, our body gets really tired because it's engaged in this sort of tightening, restricting activity all day long. So those are places that we can notice and sort of scan our bodies for on a regular basis that will be the indicator, as you said, Sarah, that, okay, this is a good time to check in. How can I check in right now and soothe myself so that I can step back into that sweet spot and still perform without experiencing the discomfort of anxiety? So those are the big places that I invite people to check for. And that's a simple adjustment. So if you're aware of it and you see that you're clenching your jaw, for example, which is a really common one for anxious people, You can invite relaxation there, separate your teeth, separate your tongue from the roof of your mouth, and just sort of relax into that space. And with your mind's eye and with your intention, just send relaxation to that part of your body. And that makes a big difference and actually sends the signal to the rest of your body that it's okay to relax. This is a time for relaxation, right? It's the same thing. It's just intentionally lowering your shoulders sends that signal of relaxation throughout the rest of your body. Inviting deeper breaths, which I invite people to do on a regular basis. Set a reminder on your phone to check in with your breath multiple times a day. And when that reminder goes off, take three deep belly breaths, filling your belly with air, 
sending the breath all the way up through your body and inviting that relaxation and also that revitalizing oxygen to your cells, to your organs, that's going to help you to still function in that sweet spot while at the same time relaxing and removing some of that edge of anxiety. Those are, those are really the big ones. The other one to notice, Sarah, is the anxiety experience tends to also operate at the level of the mind. And when we're anxious, we tend to be really cluttered in our thinking. We tend to have a really hard time thinking clearly because a lot of stuff is going on in the brain that's making it difficult for us to do that. So if you notice that your thinking is kind of cluttered or you're not very clear or you're sort of jumbled in your thoughts or your thoughts are racing or there's a lot of like confusion in your experience, that's also a good time to step away from what you're doing and just focus on breathing into the moment connecting, grounding yourself, taking a moment to yourself and checking in to see how you're doing. It's amazing how our physiological responses to anxiety, the clenching and everything can can develop, but in the same way how we can intentionally create a physiological response such as breathing deeply to counteract that and and like when when we've talked about this before on the podcast but even while you were talking and and talking about breathing i just took a couple deep breaths in through my nose and and it just it just you feel better like immediately it, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. funny because there's so much information these days and 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 oftentimes the simplest answer is is going to be the most effective one and like you don't need some there's uh, you know obviously there's no catch-all but like start with taking a deep breath <laughs> it's like the most simple thing you don't need to buy anything you can do it right now as i'm talking and i almost guarantee you are going to feel better like it, it's amazing it's like uh it, it's like something you see like on a late night infomercial like they, they could be selling this device that helps you take a deep breath and you'll feel like a new person <laughs> but we can do it right now by ourselves totally i love that it's true it is the cheapest and most effective remedy for anxiety is is breathing and you know there's a there's a sort of shorthand for distinguishing depression from anxiety that um, I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of my colleagues use and I tend to sort of use it playfully as well as, you know, depression is the feeling that something bad has happened. Anxiety is the feeling that something bad is about to happen. And so, you know, just to invite depression and in for the purposes of this, like our experience of depression is in relationship to the past usually. And our experience of anxiety is in relationship to the future. So anxiety lives in this anticipation of the future and depression lives in this dwelling over the past. And so the immediate sort of entry point of the remedy for these is the present moment, because when we're present in our experience right here and now, we tend to be okay. So our breath is this vehicle that brings us into our bodies, into the here and now, into the moment, so that we can be where we're at and be okay. Because most of the time in the present moment, we are okay. And along similar lines, our five senses can do the very same thing. So just as, you know, Chase, you took those couple of breaths and it automatically just kind of brought you into this this different sort of energy space, we can do that with our five senses as well. So unhooking from the thoughts in our minds, unhooking from whatever might be around us or demanding of us in the moment and connecting to the sense of sight and just sort of scanning the environment, looking around, closing our eyes, connecting to the sense of smell, connecting to the sense of sound, touch, smell, taste, and rooting ourselves in what's my experience here and now. And neuroscience research shows that we can't simultaneously be thinking conscious thoughts and connected to our five senses at the same time. So that, what that means is that if we're connecting to our five senses in the moment, we're giving our minds, our anxious minds, a break. And we're creating that bridge to the present moment that allows us to really settle in, relax, and alleviate that anxiety. I have a... a 
short mindfulness meditation that I listen to sometimes. And one of my favorite parts is, is just in the beginning when they're talking you through you know, bodily awareness and it start at your head and you work your way down to your toes. And you mentioned this as just relaxing your jaw, unclenching your jaw, relaxing your face muscles. Like we carry so much of our stress and anxiety and emotions in our bodies that, and just having that present state awareness to breathe through it and, and, yeah, like it sounds weird, like relax your eye muscles, like the back of your eyes. But but if you do it and you like don't do it if you're driving right now or anything, but <laughs> if you do it in the morning, you know, when you're relaxing and maybe doing a meditation, it really is a, a profound way to, to center yourself and 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 just be present and, and start start your day off well or to do it maybe before you interact with your partner. And this is something that, that you mentioned in uh, one of your articles as a way to deal with anxiety is taking your time when you respond. So we have all these emotions or it might not even be anxiety, but we're like in a, in a argument with our, with our um, partner. And rather than just being so reactive all the time, just, just being present and, and take time to think about how you're going to respond. Take time to let the anxiety of, of your workday subside, breathe through it, and then interact with your partner. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really glad you invited that in because as you were talking about the meditation and how effective it is to just take even just even if it's not a formal meditation, even just 30 seconds to tune in and breathe and relax. How, you know, just as anxiety is infectious and contagious in its own way, relaxation is also. And so, you know, if we are focused inwardly on managing our anxiety, the likelihood is that we're going to get better outcomes and better results in our interactions with our partners because our partners are going to respond in kind. We're always mirroring each other and we're always providing a reflection for each other in our relationships. So, taking responsibility for our own anxiety and for managing that anxiety for really just taking responsibility for our own internal experience and how we manage that goes a long way in our exchanges with our partners and our interactions with our partners. So this idea of shifting from reactivity to responsiveness is a big one. You know, it's in the context of anxiety or really just it's within the context of relationships in general. It's something I talk about a lot with the individuals and the couples I work with, you know, reactivity is quick to answer. It's rigid. It's, it can be defensive. It can be combative. It is instinctive and there's not much conscious deliberate thought involved in it. And when we're anxious and we're not guarding that anxiety and not managing it, we're very likely to operate from reactivity and that reactivity becomes contagious and again is likely to incite reactivity from our partner and then off we go and and then there's conflict and then there's disagreement and then there's you know difficulty meeting each other and and finding resolution and connecting and the remedy for that or the inverse of that is responsiveness so it starts responsiveness starts at the individual level it starts with both partners both individuals doing the work of checking in on a regular basis and doing that, you know, personal management that we've been talking about. So, you know, with, with my partner, I have through my own, you know, process and practice of mindfulness developed the ability to sort of notice when I am no good for a conversation with my partner. And on my best days, I don't always do it so well on my best days. I say, Hey, can we, can we revisit this later? I need a minute. I need to like check in. I need to take care of myself. And then I promise you this conversation is important to me. Let's come back to it because I know in the moment that my partner's approaching me, I'm in the space of reactivity and we're not going to get too far. But if I can take that moment to turn inward and give myself that space, then I'm much more likely to be responsive. And what I found in my relationship, and I see it with the couples I work with, is as I said before, relaxation is contagious also. So if I tell my partner, 
hey, I'm taking a minute for myself to turn inward so I can be really responsive to you in this conversation, he ends up doing the same thing. And I see this happen with the couples I work with. When one person says, hey, I need to take a minute for myself so that I can really listen and be present to you and be responsive to you, their partner ends up taking the time to do the same thing so that when both come together, there's a receptivity and there's a connectivity about the exchange that really supports you know, conversations happening effectively. And, and so, you know, that responsiveness shift happens when each person turns inward and takes on the responsibility of self-soothing and centering and grounding so that when conversations happen or when exchanges happen in the relationship, both individuals are fully present for them and fully receptive. And a lot more can happen by way of conversation and by way of conflict resolution and by way of, you know, connection when both people are holding that space. It's such a valuable shift to be able to go from reactivity to responsiveness. I think in a relationship, it's, I don't want to say this, there's, it's not the single most important thing, but it's something that just personally, if in relationships with, with everyone, with your kids, with your partner, with your coworkers, <laughs> siblings, is if we can take that time to be mindfulness and to not react to things just with our emotions, which it's often blind. It's We, we go back to uh, these things that were created when we were a toddler in, in our responses that we're not even thinking in, in more often than not, it's not going to be productive. So it, it's such a valuable tool to to improve all areas of your relationship and just to to help yourself and to to not be so anxious and and just navigate your life uh, in a much easier way. Absolutely. Imagine if we were all doing it, and you know, like you said before, it's free and it just takes a couple of minutes, and it goes along a long, long way in our relationships. And, you know, if we think about our relationships as mirroring us back and we're all just sort of mirroring each other, then the changes we make internally make a big difference in shifting our environment and shifting our experience of life. And that sort of becomes reinforcing in its own way. So it tends to make us want to do it more. And if we all sort of take that on, it can make big changes, even global changes, to not be too grandiose. <laughs> no, it, it it's not. And, and it is so true. And one of the things I want to talk about before finishing up, and this could be a whole other podcast, but it's something that, that I'm personally interested in, and that is uh, nutrition and how that it can affect our anxiety and our mood, in particular, uh, caffeine. So I feel like when I, when I drink coffee, um, I get more anxious. I get more irritable. And so I looked it up and yeah, a lot of it, it can manifest itself, uh, the caffeine by increasing your heart rate, making you feel, um, more anxious. Is this something that, that you try to address? And it, and I just want to bring it up because it might be a good place to start besides, you know, taking the breath and, and that is definitely good, but, but maybe trying to eliminate, uh, or add things to your diet? Gosh, that is excellent. And I'm really glad you you brought that up. And I agree completely that this could be a really great entry point. I absolutely do address this with people. And I address it at the level of lifestyle, ultimately, and taking a general inventory. And there are a lot of ways that we can do this of, you know, how the things that we are doing and the things that we are consuming influence the way that we are responding to life. And caffeine is a big one, um, particularly, you know, in office environments, there's, you know, office environments tend to be very, very anxiety driven places. Um, you know, one, because of the demands, of course, and the nature of uh, the workplace in general, but another because, you know, people tend to be serving themselves multiple cups of coffee a day, tend to be sitting at the desk with shoulders up to the ears, staring at a computer screen all day long. And all of this has an effect on our functioning, whether you know we're conscious of it or not. 
I have lots of clients who used to work in office settings and then became entrepreneurs and only then noticed, man, what a difference, you know, what a difference in terms of how I'm functioning um, because of all of these different factors and just being around other people's energy all day long without taking a moment to turn inward and unplug for a minute and check in and get grounded. So there's a lot of things. Um, nutrition is a big one. The kinds of foods we're eating are going to, you know, cause us to have crashes throughout the day to be uh, excessively energized in a way that might be scattered and unfocused. And then, you know, resulting in a big crash that makes it really difficult for us to focus then also for different reasons. Um, so food is a big one. Another one is sleep. Um, if we have not gotten proper rest, if we haven't uh, slept enough hours, and now thankfully there's a big revolution going on about sleep. Um, Ariana Huffington's book is is an excellent one, um, and there are others out there about you know how important it is for our brains and our bodies and our nervous systems for us to get adequate sleep, um, to have a balance between activity and rest. Uh, so you know if we work in a in a sedentary sort of way, then it's really important to implement some form of activity to expend some of that energy. Um, spending time outdoors is a big one. And so if our day doesn't provide for that, that's a place for us to really look into how we might be able to do a little bit more of that. So there are a lot of lifestyle things that absolutely will contribute to either um, excessive anxiety or a better ability to manage it. And that's a great place to start. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Chase. And I agree, that could be its own its own podcast uh, because it's it's such a, a rich uh, and complex topic in and of itself. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have you back on and, and we'll dive into that. But uh, you've given us a lot of great advice to start with and, and even that tidbit on lifestyle. And I do think that's extremely important because if you are tired and over caffeinated, then dealing with your anxiety is going to be that much harder from a, from a physiological standpoint. So it's, uh, it's certainly a part of this conversation that is important. So we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, Denise. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah and Chase, for having me. I love the podcast. I love the work you're doing. And for everybody listening, you can find me online on my website at www.evergreen-therapy.com. I'm also a regular blog contributor to Psychology Today. So you can check out my blog. It's called Mindfully Present fully alive. And you can catch me on Instagram as Evergreen Therapy and on Facebook as Evergreen Therapy Miami. Perfect. Well, all those links will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all your great resources from today's interview. So thanks again. And we look forward to having you back on the show. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. It was lovely. Thanks for having me. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you want to check out the show notes or the interview links, from today's show, head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and you'll see this interview up at the top, followed by all of our other past interviews. And while you're on our website, check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you a daily email with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources in the form of downloadable guides and workbooks. Um, so for example, uh, some of the topics include how to cultivate respect in a relationship, how to heal from a bad breakup, step-by-step -step guides to help couples manage conflict, uh, how to affair-proof your relationship. Those are just a few of the topics that we talk about uh, in these free guides. So if any of those sound interesting to you, you can check those out on our website at idopodcast.com. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com